Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means? It means it's episode 192 the Personal Agrets Podcast. I think this is actually episode 192. Last time I said it was episode 192, but I was lying. It is now episode 192 of the Personal Agrets Podcast brought to you by the Bald Move Network. Uh, my name is Eric Walquist, and I am your host this week. Joining me this week is a very, very special guest host. No, it's not Jesse. It happens to be a Rocky Mountain correspondent. His name is... Levi, I'm not Jesse Wilson, Jetty. Way to go. Not Jesse Wilson, but still in the J conspiracy nonetheless. True. Great job. Thank you. Um what what <laughs> happened like a few seconds ago? Like did you <laughs> did you just like crash through a wall like the Kool-Aid man to to announce your your coming into the podcast? By interrupting the music? Yeah. That would have been impressive if I could have actually done that. Well, I we all heard you crash. What were you doing? What you heard crashing? Yeah, right at the right right at the beginning of the podcast, there was like a ton of crashing. Wow, that means my uh, mic is a lot better than I thought. I tried to quietly move some stuff. I realized I did not bring a D twenty, and oh, no. so I was reaching for some D six to make a modified oh, roll, and God. I couldn't find it. Instead, apparently, I crashed. Modified roll, dude. Come on. Well, there's a combination that you can roll. I've seen Jesse do it before. I'm going I... to give you the benefit of the doubt here because you've only guest hosted a couple times. Not even a couple. Maybe like once. Maybe once, but then you've been a guest a couple times too. Yes, that's true. I guess he's probably like your fifth podcast. So I'm going to give you a break because if you go back and listen to our fifth podcast, it sucks almost as much as our 190th podcast. That's right. So Nearly as bad. Um, so yeah, Jesse, uh, had to step away this week, but, uh, Levi is valiantly filling in in his place. We talk about Levi a lot on this show. Um, do you, how do you feel about, cause I know you are one of our loyal listeners. You listen like every week and you text me about the shows. How do you feel about when we, when we mention you? For the most part, pretty good. <laughs> um, you guys actually leave a lot of the dumb shit I do out, uh-huh. which is fantastic. <laughs> Well, if we're leaving the dumb shit out, you must do a lot of dumb shit, dude. Oh, so much dumb shit. Well, and I just love that there are so many inside jokes that I know only you get. Like, kind of we only do the podcast for you, and then a bunch of people happen to also listen as well. That's what I assume, and that's why I'm very defensive against the other Levi. <laughs> Levi Reekin. Yes. Yeah. A very, that kind of breaks breaks mm-hmm. it down a little bit. I don't like hearing... A mention of a Levi, but it's not something I wrote to you, so yeah. And you, but I also just text you instead of writing on the Facebook or emailing or calling, so or just Facebooking me directly, yeah. Because you've been my friend since '04 on Facebook, which was like when it started, right? Yeah, dog. Um. So, and and you also you don't live in Washington. You are from Washington. You, uh, you and I were in the same second grade class. Yeah, out in the portable. Out in the portable. Uh. But, but yeah, you don't live in Washington. Where are you living these days? So now I live in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to tried to move around a little bit. Tried the East Coast. Found yep. it to be wanting. Well, um, you lived in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, that place is sketchy at best. <laughs> yeah, the only things that happen in Providence, Rhode Island, are things that are financially propped up by Kurt Schilling. <laughs> no, not financially propped up. <laughs> he took a lot of money. That. They um, decided the other day the state is going to pay um, a bunch of the investors for some unknown reason. 
Good. Yeah, just bleed that straight state dry. I mean, it's got plenty of land to make up for it. I'm sure it could sell it off. Uh, <laughs> I was yes. really excited when he moved in there. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, it's practically like Massachusetts suburb. He also thought he was going to make a AAA game on his first outing, which was pretty stupid. So Yeah, he thought he was going to make a game that is as big as World of Warcraft because he loved World of Warcraft. The problem with that is that World of Warcraft existed. Yeah. So that kind of uh, cornered the market there. Thanks, Kurt. Anyway, so you did the Providence thing. Now you're doing the Rocky Mountain High thing. Yeah. Um, and you're also now procuring a house, which is something very adult to do. I have procured. I'm actually in the office. Like, nice. We have a spare room, mm. and it gets to be the office. So I dream yeah. about a spare room, dude. What? I dream of a spare room. God, it's fantastic. Even Jesse has two. I have the least amount of rooms of anybody in the Jay conspiracy. How does Jesse have more rooms than you? Because he lives in Port Townsend. He lives in Port Townsend. That takes automatically one of your spare rooms. Well, yes, but he's got more rooms. I'm just talking net rooms here. Oh, I see. Sorry. I thought you meant like rooms that are not officially in use. No, I'm not talking about gross rooms. I'm talking about net rooms. Gotcha. Or did I get that backwards? I don't know. I don't. I'm not good with finances. Probably why I don't own a house. Anyway, um, uh, Levi, what uh, what are you drinking this week? I am drinking uh, free beer from work. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't work at a brewery, but I work on a lot of breweries. For the listeners, I uh, work for an architecture firm that is doing a lot of the the breweries in Colorado. One of them's Great Divide, and uh, my boss went down for a meeting the other day, and we had a long week putting in extra hours, so she came back with a six-pack of the Las- the Great Divide Lasso IPA. So when you were interviewing for that job, did you be like, I love beer, and I listen to a beer podcast every week, and my buddy is a big beer brewer up in Washington? Did you no, flap I- any of those wings? <laughs> I kind of rolled up and just said, I'd like to work on breweries, and uh, I hate my job in Denver, and... They went cool and hired me. God, so. Boulder sounds like the craziest place ever. This place is so laid back. It's the land so. of milk and honey, man. We passed weed, and uh, how's that going for you guys? Because I'm pretty sure I can go buy it anywhere <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, I know. Like this, is, like, oh, weed's wash, weed's legal in Washington now. Yeah, right. We got the we got the Super Bowl between uh, Denver and Seattle. Yeah, you can, still can't buy it. Still can't buy it. It's like uh, July, I believe, is when it's supposed to finally open up. Man, enjoy those tax dollars because there were a couple weeks when they could not put the money in the bank right. and they just had cash on hand. Mm-hmm. And it should have there should have been heists all over the state and nobody stole the money. That's how how chill it is here. Yeah, I always wanted to uh, – or by always, I mean like since I heard that that happened, I wanted to create a stoner comedy called Heist, H-I-G-H <laughs> dash S-T. About a bunch of stoners who decide they're going to rob a uh, marijuana dispensary. Oh, that's a great Ocean's idea. Eleven style. And then you have like all of your uh, stoner archetypes. So you have like the dude in the poncho, and then uh, <laughs> like another dude with like in a poncho but with dreads, and then like and another the- dude in the poncho but with dreads and Birkenstocks. <laughs> you know. That's, and then yeah. you have like a first grade teacher. And it's probably James Franco, Seth Rogen, and. <laughs> Who's the th- Doug Benson? Oh yeah, Doug Benson's got to be in it. Danny McBride probably as well. 
<laughs> I think we're on to something here. But before we get on to something really substantial, I think we got to do some listener feedback. We got a little bit of listener feedback this week. We're v- always very, very excited about it, uh, especially when we get voicemails. You can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 360-362-0024. The first voicemail comes to us from the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. Here is Michael once again. Hey, Michael from Virginia here again. Uh, just had a random idea. How I was thinking about the other day about how crappy the prequels of Star Wars were. Just wondering, how would you guys redo that whole series of movies just to make that so it wasn't a pain in, the, a pain in everybody's heart to think about? All right, just figured it'd be an interesting little topic. All right, guys, get off my back. Get off my back, Michael. Uh, and thank you for calling. This is such a tough question, and really, this could probably be its own topic, or maybe even its own show, how yeah. to redo the prequels. Um, but really, like, the prequels should have been a buddy, not comedy, but a buddy action trilogy featuring Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Like, I don't need to see Anakin as a little kid. I want to see some badasses doing badass shit. And all I saw was, like... I think that's the thing that threw a lot of people off. It's like, Star Wars is great. Star Wars is badass. Star Wars, uh, The Star Wars movies have, like, one thing going on. Like, especially the first one. The first one has one thing going on. Like, Luke meets Obi-Wan. They uh, hitch a ride on the Millennium Falcon. Then they go to the Death Star. And then a bunch of shit happens. Then they get off the Death Star. Then they go back to the Death Star and they blow it up. Done. And there are... A Movie lot over. of shenanigans. You're right. It is kind of a buddy comedy if you think about yeah. like the the whole uh, prison break scene with like, oh, we're gonna put cuffs on Chewie here, and oh, right. he doesn't like it. Yeah, it's an action like, in, you know, and there are comedic elements which would have been nice. I don't I mean, <laughs> like, there's just so many things that you could have done with the prequels. But the the only thing that alludes back to the prequels really is when Luke first meets Obi Wan in Tatooine, and Obi Wan tells him that he fought with with uh, Luke's father in the Clone Wars. So that's like all we know going into these is that the Clone Wars happened, um, and at some point uh, Luke's father became a Darth Vader, and at some point uh, he had Luke and Leia. Blah blah blah. But we already know all that stuff. Give us stuff that we don't know. I want to see badass Obi-Wan and badass Anakin doing badass shit in the badass Clone Wars. That's all I want to see. Well, just like when they throw stuff... That's what makes a lot of sci-fi and fantasy so good is when you throw out something like Clone Wars and then your brain goes off and makes mm-hmm. like a Clone Wars thing. You're like, oh man, I'm at, you know, there's all these clones. Fight. And you develop this storyline that in your head, because it's coming from your own brain, sounds fantastic to you. Right. And it turns out probably better than what they made. <laughs> Instead, they went and they actually made the Clone Wars thing and they start making, yeah. concreting like yeah. these specific elements. And when they suck, then it's like, well, you blew that. What are we supposed to try and think of yeah, next? I don't need diplomatic trade missions and uh, tax structures voted on by Senate members. I have enough of that in my own life. All I want is to see <laughs> Yoda, Anakin, and Obi-Wan sitting in a trench fighting against who knows who. Like, that's what I want. Like, just make that. The other thing that, that I think is often overlooked with the with the Star Wars prequels as opposed to the Star Wars trilogy is that the Star Wars trilogy and I'm calling you know the original trilogy uh is is narrated 
pretty much, by R2-D2 and C-3PO. They are the first characters that you see in the trilogy. They, uh, C-3PO has the first spoken line in the trilogy. Like, and, and they carry you through. They are the, uh, you know, in Shakespearean, they would be the, the two uh, kind of goofy characters, but who carry the, the people through the story. They're the ones that when you get bored, you look to them. And that happens throughout the entire original trilogy. When you get away from that, there's nothing carrying you through the original prequels. It's some aimless thing, like I said, uh, full of uh, you know trade federation policies and blah 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 blah. I don't, I don't like it. I want to see badassery, and I want to see um, God, like, and it would be great to get a little bit of a prequel about Han and Lando and Chewie. Like, throw that stuff in there. How- well, and what I Scott Kurtz had a really good. Um, like when the, after the third one came out and everybody kind of went, well, they all sucked. Um, yeah. He his recommendation was if the first movie had basically been the three the the first two, the yeah. second one was the third one in that it's the conversion of Anakin, and then the third one should have been Vader hunting down Jedi. Oh, yeah. Like that interim period. And then you could have you could have moved more easily into the the next one. You because you could have started to show kind of the mechanisms yeah. that um you know for Han and Land for that for that uh rebel side, you know the or not the rebel the um you know the uh the smuggler right. side of yeah the, the underworld the universe yeah. yeah yeah I'm with you man like I we didn't have to see Luke as a child to understand who Luke was. Like Luke, we jumped in right when he starts his journey to become a Jedi. That's the beginning of the the franchise, and it worked beautifully. I don't need to see Anakin as a child and learning how to become a uh, learning how to become a uh, a Jedi. I just want to see Anakin boom badass boom into the Clone Wars boom. Like the first scene should have been like the first scene in Full Metal Jacket. Like you, just, they're just all lined up, and you got Anakin and Obi Wan standing in front of their bunks, getting chewed out by uh, Qui Gon, the drill sergeant. That's you that's what it should have been. Immediately jumped to his uh, what do they call the the process when you became a Jedi? They had the trials, yeah, exactly. Could have just straight to the trials. Yeah, and you could still have Darth Maul in there. Make Darth Maul the drill sergeant. He was good. He was yeah. the only saving grace of one. It's like that guy's got a sweet, weird lightsaber because that's what everybody wants. Everybody mm-hmm. wants the weird ass lightsaber look. Yeah. But that, but then it tried to get pulled off because you had um, God, who's the old guy? Darth, whatever, who was uh, Yoda's apprentice, who was in um, Darth, blah blah. God. Sidious? No, not, it's not Sidious. Darth Sidious because that was the Emperor. Darth. Uh, you know, the other guy. nerd cred. I know, dog. But he had, like, the cane one, which was weird. Yeah. It was, like, like a that weird backhanded work. move. And then you had uh, uh, Mace Windu with the purple one. But I was like, I don't need a different color, man. <laughs> like, Did uh, you ever play KOTOR? Yeah, I did. God, that game. That should have been. Fuck the first three. They should have just made KOTOR <laughs> like, into a- Yeah, why not? Have the first movie be, like, an ancient Jedi movie. God, and I, I mean, and you know, great. that's that's kind of what Disney has decided that they're going to do. They're going to do a bunch of spinoffs. They want to release one Star Wars movie a year. Maybe we will get a KOTOR, a KOTOR ancient Jedi si- seven samurai movie. Like, that would be awesome, dude. I hope so. Anyway, like I said, this could become a topic. And, and uh, when Jesse gets back, we might have to bring it up with him to see his thoughts but yeah. um 
But yeah, how about just make it badass? That's all. Like that's like the best feedback I can give it right now. Is that so much to ask? Yeah, stop. Don't make it boring. Make it badass. The end. Um, <laughs> we also got a great uh, phone call in from our good buddy in Germany, Dennis Kleinbeck. Here's what he had to say. Hey guys, it's Dennis Kleinbeck from Germany, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long time, I guess, uh, since I last recorded anything for you. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to thank you because uh, I'm currently studying for the final exams in my school time. And uh, yeah, your podcast uh, keeps my sanity up uh, <laughs> because I I uh, don't talk to a lot of people uh, in the last, uh, yeah, I guess two, two weeks I, uh, because I, I just focused on the stuff I have to learn for uh, for German, biology, um, English, and history. And, uh, yeah, your podcast is like uh, the surrogate for any uh, conversation. Oh, man, it's, it's, I'm, I'm feeling like some kind of uh, eremit or monk. It was, oh, God. Uh, but anyway, um, thank you. And uh, last podcast, you mentioned this uh, laser tag um, uh, uh, experience um, and that uh, that someone should make a movie out of it and I wrote this little piece I, I sent it to you uh, maybe you could talk about it please uh, yes um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is the uh, soccer world championship uh, in, the su in the summer and uh, Germany and uh, the USA are playing against each other and I'm very excited about this game and I wanted to ask you if you know your uh, national uh, team and if you're excited about this game or do you even knew that this game was happening or uh, yeah I just wanted to ask you it's a lot of topics but uh, I didn't call in for a long period of time so maybe you could uh, play this two-minute uh, voicemail. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, have a great cast, a great week, and uh, I'm hopefully, uh, yeah, being able to send more feedback in the next time. Cheerio. <laughs> Cheerio. Sorry, I had to cut it off. I have to play these in iTunes, so if I don't cut it off, it's going to go to the next song. So, uh, But cheerio to you, Dennis. A couple things here. First off, dude, you have to take an English class? Like, I feel like you should go to your uh, teacher slash professor and just be like, I literally call into an American <laughs> podcast every week and they talk back to me so I can obviously speak fluent English. Done. Deutsche Nicks are good. Done. Like, I, like, that's it, man. Uh, the second thing is your laser tag thing. I'm not going to address that now, Dennis, but uh, here's a teaser. I just might address that a little bit later in the show. Oh, snap. Um, and then the third thing here, man, is the World Cup, buddy. Like, I, Levi, what's your experience with the World Cup? Because from where I sit, it is like the one time every four years that America actually pays attention to soccer. Even then, like, I use it mostly as an excuse to drink just in the morning, go drink with people mm -hmm. in the like, morning, just finding a bar that's actually showing the game, and mm -hmm. yeah, you can go drink at nine a.m. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, like. American sports are centered around drinking. Like baseball, there's 162 games. Why? Because from April to September, every night at 7 o'clock, you could sit down, have a beer, and watch a game. 
right? Yeah. Um, it's- football is on on Sundays, which means, hey, guys, everybody has this time off. It is the day of rest. It has been mandated by God himself in the Bible. It is time for us to sit down, chill out, drink a beer, and watch a game, right? Yeah. And the World Cup is, hey, guys, it's summertime. It's warm. It's sunny. Let's all get together at 10 a.m. and start drinking soon. And that's what the World Cup's about. Like, I I love the World Cup. I think they mention it in the New Testament, the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup's in the New... It's in uh, Hebrews, I believe. Um, Yeah. But because uh, it was the it was the you know uh, the 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 epic match between the Corinthians and the Galatians, <laughs> um, but <laughs> went two one overtime yeah, exactly <laughs> extra time. This is soccer, buddy. Oh, sorry, shit. I uh, thought it was oh, oh man. Uh-uh. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm actually really really excited. I love 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 the World Cup. Um, and the USA, god damn it, they are in the group of death this year, as I like to call it. It is Group G: Germany. USA, Portugal, and Ghana. Like, Germany and Portugal are two of the top teams in the world. And then you got the USA thrown in there. God, it's going to be tough to the game, tough for them to get out of there. And then Ghana is a team that always upsets, always is a sleeper pick, and is one of the best teams in Africa. This is a really hard, really tough bracket. And I don't like making a bet here because I feel like Germany is going to wipe the floor with this group because they are so good. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, Dennis, I think that maybe you should uh, put a little wager together for us since the USA will be playing Germany. I would love to hear your thoughts on what we can bet between one another. Uh, yeah, let's see his matchup. bracket. Do they do that? Uh, it's a little World tough because you have, like, groups. So the top uh, two teams from each group then go into the playoffs, basically. Okay. Yeah. Well, can you name anybody from the American team? Uh, dude, Clint Dempsey, mofo. Hey, Clint just- Dempsey. Star go. striker for the Seattle Sounders FC, coming oh, over really? from the English Premier League. Yeah, dog. So he's not American. He is American. Of course oh. he is. Then what no, was he doing over in the British Premier League? Because British Premier League is like professional soccer. <laughs> <laughs> That's like asking why you know Vladimir Guerrero played in Major League Baseball if he's from uh, the D- Netherlands Antilles. I'm sorry that I can't bring more sports talk to the cast while Jesse's away. Yeah, this is actually good. It puts a buffer on it. We can move on. <laughs> all right so yes dog i will be watching the world cup this summer i love it um i i usually root for two teams i root for usa and the netherlands because my brother-in-law is really into the netherlands uh and he's married to my sister so we all watch the games together so go orange um but uh but yeah dennis i'd love to hear uh your thoughts on uh, perhaps a wager for this year's world cup uh, and then we have one more voicemail coming in this week uh, from a brand new caller, longtime lurker, first time caller, and here is the call. Oh, ah, I gotta hit the play button. Here it is. Is that it? Yep. Hi, Jesse and Eric. Uh, this is Olivia. Um, I'm a longtime listener of the show, and I'm just kind of a lurker, so I thought I'd call in. I just left some really random weird post on the Facebook roundup about insect penises or something. Sorry if that's really weird. Um, but I'm a biologist, so I think things like that are interesting. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys how much I love you. And, um, I really think some of your ideas are genius. Like you should honestly kickstart some of your things. Like the, uh, Nintendo theme park. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I also have a question. So I'm kind of 
nerdy. I'm the nerdiest one of my friends, and none of them like board games or any kind of, you know, weird nerdy obsession. And I'm wondering, like, do people go by themselves? Um, are there groups of people who, like, meet up? Um, I'm just wondering because I'm moving to Austin in the fall, so I kind of wanted to go to the San Antonio one. And if you guys end up going, like, I would totally meet up. But, yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, how you get involved with things like this if you don't really know anyone who also likes these things. But, yeah, okay. Um, Love you guys, and stay off my back. You stay off my back, Olivia. Yeah, Um, off my back. So nice to have, like, a nice call. We have all these ruffians calling in. I feel like we are a, a villainous hive of scum and villainy. Is that wrong? That's wrong. I want to... Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, I want to apologize to Olivia because clearly she loves you guys, and mm-hmm. she got played when Jesse is not here. I know. It's so hard. <laughs> I, I really had to think about it because I was like, you know, it's a brand new caller, but uh, but we also don't want we don't want the voicemails to be stale. They got to stay fresh, like a like yeah. a squeezable melon. You got to play him. You got to play him. Olivia, call back. Jesse should be back shortly. Yes. You will eventually get him and the clever, <laughs> witty response that he has. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I believe she's talking about Pax here. This is really tough. I mean, Pax in general is like one of the most welcoming places I've ever been. Yep. Like, it is a place to let your freak flag f- fly. Like, <laughs> this is the place where you could do whatever you want, and people will be like, yeah. Like, that guy dressed up like a sumo wrestler from Street Fighter, and he's only wearing a loincloth. God, I'm cool that with that. That guy shows up every year. Every year, dude. But you know what? You got to be cool with it, because that's PAX. You and know? you know, for every naked sumo wrestler, there's the exhausted Ewok in exhausted full costume. Ewok. Oh, God. Exhausted Ewok is the best. Um, so it's tough. I mean, I, I don't really like, I would totally go if, if PAX was like a couple hour drive away from me and I didn't know anybody who was going to be there, I would just go by myself. You know, I like to go to movies by myself. I like to just do that whole thing, go somewhere, meet some people, uh, have a good time. Um, but it, it kind of depends on your own personality. Um, Some of it too is what is her interest so here's my recommendation if she's moving to austin um do what i did when i moved to boulder i scouted three of the local gaming stores and Mm -hmm. i found the one where i didn't the people didn't drive me nuts um and now i go there twice a week in the evenings um to hang out with people yeah if you're in austin if you find a local gaming store you can find one that does board games if that's your jam you'll find people that do magic if that's your thing um tabletop wargaming is a really easy way to meet a lot of people um because they're always looking for a game um find your flgs your friendly local gaming store um and just figure out what night they have the game that you dig and go to that and you will find friends very quickly in a new place and then they'll if you're in austin you are a stones (laughs) not a stone so texas is massive um and i'm sure it's like a six hour drive still to san antonio but i think it's only like a couple hours a couple hours between austin and san antonio from what i I really think it's like easily more than four i don't from what i remember i i think that i think San Antonio is whatever. We don't need to debate this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> say, what you, say what you're going to say. Texas. Yeah. What, what were you saying? Um, 
anyways, find a group if you're that if Austin's that close to San Antonio that any group of friends you make at a nerdy institution like a local gaming store, um, they'll be sure to go. And I mean, I bumped into people from my gaming store here at PAX in Seattle. Nice. Not even intentionally bumped into them up there. Yeah. Um, so people go to these things, and that's just if you you just. If that's where you got your group of friends, it's an easy way to find people there. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Actually, in current traffic, the distance between San Antonio and Austin is an hour and 16 minutes. So well, Texas feels like six hours if for you, every hour spent there. If you make friends in Austin, they will be going to PAX in San Antonio. Guaranteed. So, um, But yeah, so thanks for calling in. We ha- always have our voicemail line, guys, 360 360- Three six two zero zero two four. If you haven't called in before, like Olivia, please call us right now. Pause the podcast, call three six zero three six two zero zero two four, and give us a call uh, for next week's show. Uh, Levi, you ready to do a little tiny mat roll off? You're gonna have to roll for me. Okay, that's lame. You I don't know, have your d sixes. Really You're not gonna do your mod roll. No, I don't. I couldn't reach them. They're Boo. Not- <laughs> Boo. Okay, I'm going to do it. So this one's for me. I'm rolling a d20. Uh, I got a 9. All right. Uh, Levi, you got a 11. What the hell? Yes! I feel like this has been like the last three weeks we've only rolled 9s and 11s. I wish I had rolled. I probably could have done, done a little better. Not with the way you roll, man. Uh, all right, so what's your first topo this week? That's funny because you've rolled for me. Which is a, a DM experience, and I'd like to talk about the uh, the six hundred pound Minotaur in the room. Okay, um, I want to interview you about your DM experience. So I guess we're talking about games. He- games, yeah. Here we go. Finish him. Right. Yeah, and that's your cue. finished off. I nearly was. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I DM'd for the first time. We talked about it, I believe, in last week's show, but I actually got to DM for the first time in a campaign where you and Jesse played. Why don't you walk us through what happened here? So I'm going to Quentin Tarantino it. Nice. I'm going to start with the ending, which was magnificent and unique. Um, <laughs> two gnomes barreling along in a carriage a normal carriage trying to drive a steel carriage mm-hmm. carrying a minotaur off the off the path we're trying to flip the carriage um in my daring attempt to leap to the other carriage to go and steal um the object of which the minotaur has um i roll I roll a cock die, which is a term for when your dice ends up kind of sideways. And sometimes the number's clear, but you're like, ah, that doesn't count. Right. Um, and I had rolled a six. And I thought to myself, that's garbage. <laughs> it's kind of sideways. So I'm going to re-roll it. And we're playing over Skype, so nobody's holding you. Playing over Skype. Nobody's holding anybody to that. And still, I rolled again, and I got a one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, naturally, I did not make the leap. I fell to the ground. Um, Eric got very colorful. I got <laughs> run over by the steel carriage carrying a minotaur, which mm-hmm. took off my leg. Yeah. Um, Jesse decided to bail. Yep. <laughs> he left town, and I was left with the debtor, of which we were trying to clear our debts with, mm-hmm. um, which was a fantastic ending, I thought. Luckily, you had a little bit of information, so he was willing to save your life for the info. 
Yes. And now you have a peg just leg. <laughs> now you now your character has a peg leg. And now I have a peg leg, which, which I believe is a minus two to dexterity. At the very least, yeah. <laughs> on top of all of the colorful um, things, I'm sure that are to come up. Yeah. But uh, but it was a really great experience. So the the campaign that you set up was um, somewhat snatch inspired, at least at the the oh, start. Totally. You did your patented um, brick voice. I actually didn't. I tried to. I did it a little different because, like, Bricktop would be whoa, whoa, whoa. If it isn't the infamous Boffin Brothers. Whereas I was saying, well, 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 if it isn't the infamous Boffin Brothers. See, there's a little bit of difference there. I see the I wasn't difference. Going, I didn't go I full brick. I the top. other one would be exhausting to do as long as you did. It's you actually really, really nice. easy to do because you don't use a lot of oxygen. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, um, so you know, you had you had characters prepared for us, which is smart, um, you know, especially because this was not intended to be a long term campaign. Right. Um, so just having them prepared saves us, you know, one of the nights um, usually spent in character creation, mm-hmm. and we are, uh, you know, we start tied up with uh, this character. Uh, what was his name? Gareth. His name Garrison. Garrison. Yeah. Um, who has taken the on the debts of somebody we previously owe money to. And to break even with him, we're supposed to steal a ring from a powerful wizard. Sorcerer. Um, or sorcerer, yeah. sorry. Got to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, who knows? Until he starts casting, until you watch him prepare his spells, mm-hmm. which sounds like a euphemism for masturbation. Um <laughs> You don't know whether or not he's a wizard or a sorcerer. That's true. Um, but yeah, you know, and you kind of you laid out two two routes. One was uh, to go after his estate, which was next to a a colorful mine where any mineral could be mined, which was a fascinating little quirk. I know you uh, really wanted to go to that mine. I really did. I assumed that we could blow a hole somehow into his house. Um, <laughs> Which may have to be all our, our our alternative, given that the other option was to that he frequented the Goblin Works, yeah, um, where he is working on a project. So naturally, Jesse and I decide to go to a bar first because mm-hmm. that's usually where Jesse's typically our DM, and he doesn't often open with the the dramatic opening. It's always in a bar, and then something happens. Well, I just Um, love the... I mean, the pub in general is such a great place to start start an adventure. And even, you know, uh, know, I noticed the the Hobbit, the Desolation of Smog, the first scene is Gandalf meeting Oakenshield in a pub. Like, and, and even in the original Lord of the Rings, they go to a pub first. So when they go on to their adventure, they go to a pub and see what happens there. And that's where Strider meets them. So, yeah, yeah the pub is a great place to stage your D&D campaign. Well, it's such a relatable space, given all of the fan- the fantastic nature of mm-hmm. fantasy settings. The fact that a bar is like this universe. Star Wars has bars. Right, the Cantina Lord of the Rings scene, has yeah. bars. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just something that we as humans are like, yeah, there's always going to be a place to drink. Exactly. So, so you go uh, to the bar, and you got to try to figure out whether you want to go to the Goblin Works or to... Uh, this guy's name is Necronicon uh, the Arcane. You have to go. Necronicon, who was ap- later named, uh, I think Jesse was just calling him Chronic at one point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
it's the first thing that you learn as a DM is you come up with these clever ass names, and then your character, your players decide I'm going to come up with a shorthand for that. Yeah, I don't think Jesse ever actually named the place. It's it's literally like the city of Akron, Ohio, with Icon uh, at the end. Akron, I thought it was some Icon. sort of like time reference. I thought we were going to find out his specialty was time sorcery. No, he's just a he's just a dude that's named after Akron, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Deep within this ancient land, Akron, Ohio. Yeah, so you go to this bar and you're like, okay, we got to figure out the goblin works. So you go to a table full of goblins and then you're a bard. So you like uh, try to woo them with your ways. With yeah, your which is ways. not my, as a player, role playing, music, songs are not my specialty. I don't <laughs> rhyme well. I'm not a Wayne Brady type. I can't just come up with But the, so, that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted you to be a bard. I wanted to give you a character that I've never seen you play before. Oh. Because I gave Jesse the cleric because I feel like you would have wanted to play the cleric. And I feel like Jesse, I don't know what Jesse would want to play because I've never seen him play before. <laughs> but I basically gave him the character that I knew you would want to play. And I wanted to give you a character that was kind of outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Well, I did. And, I, you know, I tried to tried to play it up. I tried to come up with a song, mm-hmm. um, which led to some hilarity, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by the end of the night at the pub, you know, we'll just fast forward. Jesse ends up killing a goblin. Incognito. Like, Incognito. Like very sleight of hand killing a goblin and dragging yep. him out. Fat, convincing his fascinating friend. music from the bar yeah. involved. <laughs> convincing um, his friends that he's passed out from being drunk. Yep, and then stripping him in the alleyway and disguising jesse had a disguise spell <laughs> turned himself into a goblin which i enjoyed your goblin voice yeah <laughs> and the goblin and jesse doesn't really do voices so to hear him mimic that to get into the disguise <laughs> as he makes his way through the goblin works trying to figure out that the you know that the order is for um a bunch of golems uh right. you know and jesse's going through with his but seriously, I'll fire you. <laughs> yeah, he, he came up with like an inside joke that he used on everybody. The, and I also love the goblin's name was Florg, the floor Florg. manager. <laughs> Florg, the, the floor manager at the Goblin Works. I'm and Florg. Then, of course, every goblin from that point on was Morg, Dorg. Yeah, Morg, Morg Dorg, Blorg, Florg, Florg. <laughs> it all worked. But yeah, so so uh, you know, so you went to the Goblin Works. You found out that he was creating these giant iron golems that could literally—I mean, iron golems are kind of like in- invincible creatures to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, especially for a level three character, like they're yeah. immune to magic. They typically have hardness, which is like an yeah. awkward rule. I never, I, I don't think I've ever been a high enough level to encounter something with hardness. Yeah, and they always um, literally also have like hundreds of hit points, like yeah, 180, 200 hit points, and they hit like a. Yeah. Like a freight train, and yeah, they're just so naturally. We thought, you know, get them on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, so we scouted the estate. That was this was a good thing. I don't that Jesse did, um, and it's something that I'm always aware of as a PC as well. When you have a big solo scene, yeah, you gotta like make sure to step back. So Jesse had done most of the inside work at the Goblin Works, so I got right. to turn on my specialty and try and sneak around the estate, which <laughs> ended much more poorly um, yes the the problem and this was like due to lack of communication versus f- through dm and pc like I, this would have played out a lot more differently and by more differently uh, dennis please don't apply that to your english class would have played out <laughs> a lot differently if if you had if you and i had been on the same page because 
you decide there's this giant estate and there's this little tiny house in the backyard. So you basically decide you're going to sneak into that house. You go into the house and there's a door in the kitchen. There's two doors down the hallway. And I say there's a door in the kitchen. There's two doors down the hallway. You say, I'll check the pantry. When you said, I'll check the pantry, you meant I'll check the door in the kitchen. But I didn't interpret it that way. I, d- I decided you were checking the pantry in the kitchen so it was full of food. <laughs> if you had checked the door in the kitchen, you would have discovered that it was a passageway into the estate. Yeah, which is a an interesting uh, – I enjoy those kind of – it's like I just assume as a player that's a pantry. Mm-hmm. And maybe it makes sense as a DM that you know even then you don't necessarily give it to me because right. I – have made an assumption, which means that the you know if I am in character, like I am not being observant. I went, I just wrote it off. Well, that's the pantry. Right. Moving on. Yeah. So I think that's one. Of, it's one of those fun quirks that happen. And it's like, ah, oh, damn, it could have gone different. But instead, <laughs> I ended up in the rooms with the orc guards. Um, they, they weren't even guards. Bail. That was the. That was the. Um... Uh, natural 20 on their listen yeah, natural listen, but they weren't guards they were they were the servants so they were orcs but they were like the cooks and the maids for the estate they weren't the guards you're a gnome every orc is a guard yeah and they jumped really? on you they tried but you had a nice way to get out of there you ran back and you're like guys it is locked down so then jesse decides he's going to do something instead uh, which is insane yeah this insane plan to try and fool a sorcerer yeah. to his face but guess what? He kind of did it. He pulled it off. <laughs> he did it a little bit. I mean, so he wa- he decides to disguise himself as Florg, the floor manager, walk into <laughs> the estate the next day and 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 ask a Chronicon for the uh, whatever is controlling the golems in the Goblin Works. Yeah, so he to reprogram in. it. Yeah, because then we can just roll on his estate with half built yeah. golems, which. Is at yeah. this point our best bet because he's got a minotaur for a bodyguard on yeah. top of the orc guards at his house. Right, exactly. And, the and we have to get the also... ring off his effing finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, he instead of giving the idol, which is like this little action figure basically of a golem, to Florg, he decides that, a Chronicon decides he's going to give it to his minotaur to escort it to the goblin works. Which was and very well what, played as a DM. That's the chess match of outsmart. You know, yeah. your characters are trying to outsmart, but clearly he's not an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and so he's gonna. He, so he gives it to the Minotaur. They go off in the iron carriage. Florg bails the iron carriage by telling him he has some kind of stomach disorder. And he has to get out of the <laughs> carriage. So the Minotaur, whose name is Guile, decides he's gonna keep continuing on to the Goblin Works, and then you guys pursue him in the carriage. And then I think we all kind of know what happens at that point. Yeah. So that and was my heroic leap ends miserably. <laughs> and then I so just great. play over Google Hangouts because you can do the screenshot in place mm-hmm. of your image or in place of your video. I just show gifs of cats failing to leap into things. Right. For the rest of the night. So I asked for some feedback because this was my first Dungeon Master session. I asked for some feedback afterward. And the feedback I got from you guys is that I was saying no a lot and I could feel myself saying no a lot. And I didn't like it. I hated saying no to you guys because I want the story to move along. And also that it seemed like it was an impossible situation. But I'm like, like, uh, and, and maybe I need to open myself up to what you guys are doing a little bit more. Because, yes, there, you guys are pursuing an iron carriage, in a regular carriage. And you're trying to run off the road. You're trying to hit a minotaur who has like 60 hit points. It's going to be very hard to take him down. But there are also 
like horses pulling the carriage. Maybe you should have gone for the horses. Maybe you guys are too much like uh, you know. You, maybe you didn't want to injure the animals here, but this, these are imaginary <laughs> animals. It was um, actually I considered it because mm-hmm. being a bard and a gnome, I have illusions at hand. I thought about how I could try and mm-hmm. spook them. And then I just thought, fuck it, I'll shoot the Minotaur. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, your instinct is correct, that there are solutions. Um, in terms of us going off path, did we get further off path than you would have thought? You didn't. I just wanted, because I, I spent a lot of time setting up the situation. But I also wanted to spend some, I wanted to let you guys discover how to solve it. And frankly, I did not know how to solve it. I, I wanted to leave that on you guys. You guys have both DM'd campaigns before. You have a good understanding of what Dungeons & Dragons is. So I wanted to set up a difficult situation that you guys could use your imaginations to overcome. Um, and really, the crux of it happened when you rolled that one on the jump. Because at that point, <laughs> game over. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, but, and but I, all the I didn't situations, know. To, you know, there are times where you roll like a one attacking, and it's right. like, oh, you drop your weapon or whatever. Yeah. It was... A good call, and it's a weird... It's one of those ones where it sucks as a player, but it's not a long-term campaign, so right. who gives a shit that I have a peg leg? If it was like... It's kind of like Blood Bowl in the sense that you get like the amazing character set up yeah. and running, and then he gets injured in a way that makes him debilitating despite his skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do enjoy that that was... I don't know, it makes it more colorful. Yeah, and, and like I said, like you said, it's a one-off campaign. But I wanted to set up a different because I also really feel that like if you want characters to feel great about a campaign, have them overcome a huge obstacle. And maybe I made that obstacle a little too huge, but um, I feel like you guys were pretty close. And I feel like if you guys would have been able to overcome that obstacle and get that ring, it would have been a, a really great thing for you i mean you also i mean really levi you fucked this whole thing up because <laughs> not only did you like almost kill yourself trying to jump to the iron carriage but you also there was that miscommunication in the servants quarters if you had said i opened the door in the kitchen you would have found a secret passageway into the house which might have opened up a way for you guys to to uh, to procure sneak it as well. in and yeah that um, was your like sneak in zone so it's really tough, and I really appreciate you guys giving me honest feedback at the end, too. I think this is something that DMs should do more often, and is ask for honest feedback from the players so that, um, like, I like I might have, I was like, well, go for the horses. So maybe I would should have had the NPC that I was controlling that was with your party shoot at one of the horses with his heavy uh, crossbow. That maybe that would have nice, given like, you a signal when you're of being in a jam. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, there's always kind of that fail say You know, video games have this, if there's mm-hmm. a battle that is, I'm trying to think of, like, what game does this where, you know, if you lose the battle, right. then something comes in, kind of a deus ex machina, or mm-hmm. you win the battle, and then that just doesn't happen. You know, it's, right. it's a rare occurrence, but it's kind of nice, because it's yeah. like, you did you you lost, but it doesn't make you go back and try uh, do it again. And you yeah. definitely can't do that in D&D. Yeah. Well, I learned a lot, and I'm, uh, I really want to play with you guys again at some point and uh, keep this thing going. But this is the great thing that's about this is that this is a world that, that Jesse built. This is Evera 
which is the campaign that we all play in, like all the like Aaron and Jim and you and me play in, and our, and our buddy Jordy, we all play in this world, and it's run by Jesse. And now I get to have my own little corner of this world called River Tower. So now there's a city called River Tower now in the Evera landscape, which is really cool. And, I know it's you know next time I think it'd be great to see what you could do with it, or or what somebody else in the party could do with it. I've actually well. been thinking, so I've been thinking ever since, you know, because you took off my leg and I'm like, you know, that's as a, on the role playing side of things, like a peg leg is like, one, now you're marked, like it's really hard to disguise yourself as anything <laughs> but somebody with a peg leg. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you make noise just thumping around. Is there like, <laughs> but at the same time, like knowing that I'm not invincible is you know, in a lot of D&D, it's a rarity. You find a lot of times that DMs will, you know, especially once you get up to, like, 10th level, it's like, you know, you get attached. Right. Well, um, and you want to do that, too. If you're playing in a long campaign, you don't want your dude to die. If you're playing in a one-off campaign, you don't care as much if, you're, if your dude dies. I want to know if you can make D&D a roguelike. Have you played oh, yeah. roguelikes? Yeah, totally. I think that would be... You'd have to... Edit character creation, mm-hmm. but the idea that it's like, you know, especially when you have something as powerful as a sorcerer and you're trying to get a ring off his hand, he's one, it's, you know, he's probably a, a popular guy that people try and kill, you know, kind of right. Wild West style. The best gunslinger is always going to have to just be fighting people off. So he's used to <laughs> yeah. having to defend himself. Which is why he has a minotaur following him around. Which is why everywhere. he has a minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're just chewing through characters, but every time you have a new character, you're trying a different approach on yeah. killing him, I think you'd have to, the story would have to be what the real, like, hang on is. You know, it almost becomes like um, Arkham. You know, it's yeah. about creating, like, right. we failed epically in this unique way. Yeah. Like, and I think um, so failing I'm thinking wonderfully about, yeah, you've is, got is, is me a great part. Of... Yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I think failing epically is a great part of games. You Like, you know, people post the videos of their warthogs blowing up on YouTube. <laughs> like, people love to fail wonderfully. Like, make yeah. that part of the game. And you failed wonderfully in this oh, game. Man, you, like, tried to make the jump. <laughs> you just hit the side of the iron chariot rolled underneath got rolled over by it like at least two of the wheels and then your leg basically got straight chopped off and your leg well, in the middle of the street and that's that was the i think your you, the best part of the night was you did not hesitate to to mar me so thoroughly because i could roll one and fail the jump and hit the side of his thing and oh darn mm-hmm. you know and then the carriages take off but you didn't settle on that i got my ass run over <laughs> which was I think the highlight of the night. I mean, here we are talking about it, and I'm sure everybody loves to hear other people talk about their D and D games. Yeah, well, I just gave you, <laughs> I just gave you basically like double cleave damage, so I rolled or like a critical axe wound damage, so I yeah. rolled two d twelves and it happened to come up on twenty, which is a bad roll for you, but and we learned that you need fifty damage before you can just die outright. Oh, I didn't know that. that was edu- well, that was because Jesse and I thought it was half your health, mm-hmm. which now that I've right. thought about it, makes sense that that's not the rule because like a level one wizard would take like a pinprick right. and he'd have to roll fortitude, Yeah, neither of which are his specialties. Um, so it makes sense that it's high enough. But yeah, you can get uh, massive damage, 50 hit points, and you have to make a fortitude save. Well, I love it, dude. Thanks for playing, and I can't wait till my next turn to DM. And I like that we had kind of the pre-DM and then the post-DM 
uh, yeah. section. And, like, dude, anybody out there wants to play Dungeons & Dragons, you're a little leery about dungeon mastering, it's really fun. I want to do it again as soon as possible. I loved DMing. I thought it was really fun. Um, and it was a little scary. I got a little hung up at times, but in the end, I am just thinking back on it and thinking about all the things I could do uh, next time to make it even better for the players. So, very yeah, excited. All right, man. Well, uh, we're going to move on to movies. Do you know what nemesis means? All right, we're going to move on to, of course, Dennis Kleinbeck's movie that he basically wrote for us based on the laser tag adventure that that we had last time. I also love uh, that he just called this German Palooza as the, as the subject of this email. Um, Dennis Kleinbeck, yes. the greatest. Not to mention, dude, wrote me a full email in full English what beautifully written, grammatically impeccable. Maybe you can just forward it to his teacher. Yeah. Like, the straight up the thing is here is that I know fucking English. I've been speaking this shit for a long time. I don't know any other languages, unlike Dennis Kleinbeck, but I know <laughs> English. And he has been able to communicate with me flawlessly as an English speaker. So anything that he would have to say to communicate with an English speaker is going to come across wonderfully, even to a ruffian American like me. I'm not even like a, a, like a stodgy British person. I speak some kind of bastardized English that has been influenced by Scandinavian and Spanish and all these other uh, different cultures and languages. So I can understand him beautifully and wonderfully. I'm just, I'm, Dennis, I'm giving you a soundbite that you could just play for your English teacher. So anyway... Uh, Dennis Kleinbeck, he wrote this movie for us based on my laser tag wonderful experience a couple weeks ago. He calls it Captain Laser. Okay. Pew pew. Um, I'm I'm actually going to skip the cast and roles um, and go straight to the plot just so you can understand who the characters are before I tell you who is going to be playing them. Okay. So here's the plot. Jim, Pete, and the rest of the crew, people like Jake Johnson, for example, I don't know Jake Johnson, uh, planned a Friday night out away from their wives and respective children. They decided to go to a local laser tag arena, but they soon discover that, it's de- that it is designed for kids. This is very similar to an experience I had. Uh, <laughs> as the evening progresses, Jim's team breaks the record, and the ominous duel of Riot and Ninja... Uh, so he breaks the record of the of that duo. Jim gets a little too excited about it and starts to talk shit about the previous record holders. These two kids are going, we're going to tell our daddy, and he's going to kick your butt, but the guys quickly dismiss it. A couple weeks later, they want to enlist themselves in, a, in the tag tournament. They arrive a few minutes before the enlistment period ends, sign up with a team name, team name Captain Laser and the X-Rays, uh, and make fun of the team with the name Stoltz of the Nation. Uh, Jim is joking about this stupid pun while the crew is turning away from the counter facing the team. Lieutenant Stoltz and his men, featuring Jason Mamora and Randy Couture, uh, <laughs> Stoltz tells Jim that he's going to win for what Jim said about Riot and Ninja. 
His children tell him he'll be back and leave the arena. Both teams quickly plow through the other teams uh, and go through a rigorous training montage and arrange the semifinals. (laughs) In the meantime, Rita and Natalie, uh, which are Lieutenant Stoltz's wife and uh, Jim's wife, uh, they uh, get to know each other, realizing how similar Jim and and Aaron are uh, in the way that they overinterpret the situation in the final match. The teams are disseminated, or, or I'm sorry, the teams are decimated. And only Jim and Aaron are left, and the showdown begins. So this is Jim, uh, Jim Reed versus Lieutenant Aaron Stoltz for the finals. I love this scenario, um, almost like a, a role play esque D and D scenario to bring these two guys together. I see a lot of fog machines. Tons of fog machines. Tons of fog machines. <laughs> tons of lasers. Tons of plywood and spray paint. <laughs> Uh, Springboards? Oh, I love it. So in this in this uh, movie world, Jim, who's the main character, Jim Reed is played by who? Who do you think should play Jim Reed? He's like uh, your dude, who's just a random guy. Decides he's going to go to laser tag and have some fun. Gets rolled up into this giant laser tag, uh, you know, uh, world. I know that this is going to seem a little overplayed, but is Vince Vaughn getting too old for this? Mm. Maybe he's on. Yeah, the... he's a little, probably a little too old for this. Who would be like the new Vince Vaughn? Oh man, there's a whole topic. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. The problem is I don't see as many shitty movies anymore, so I'm a little blindsided on this. I think that he, I think that Dennis hits us on the head. He wants Jim Reed to be cast by Seth Rogen. That I seems love. like the yeah. I it definitely like see the... it, but that's also because that's. I mean, he's being typecast as that constantly now. Well, I love it though. Like, why not ride that ride that train till it comes to the last stop? That's what I'm saying. Until he becomes as old as Vince Vaughn, and then yeah. we go find a, a different one. Um, and then Anna Kendrick, he is cast as as Jim's wife, Natalie Reed. Anna like. Kendrick. Yeah. Who's Anna she? Kendrick. She's a she's in a ton of movies. She was in uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the Universe. She was up in the air. She was in Pitch Perfect. She has that song that's on the radio. She's like, oh, on the I love Anna Kendrick. Yeah, yeah, she's cute. Everybody loves Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Jones plays Jim's brother, Pete Gregg. Now, you may not know who Matt Jones is, but you, if you've watched Breaking Bad, then you know who Badger is, and that's Matt Jones. Oh, God. <laughs> and I love yeah. having Badger yes. as Seth Rogen's brother. I feel like that's like the perfect combo. I can't believe yes. that hasn't happened yet. Um. I- those two. Now, Lieutenant Aaron Stoltz. This is the guy who is Ninja and uh, what's the other kid's name? <laughs> I should know. <laughs> I was the one who actually fought against the real Ninja. <laughs> Riot. Riot and Ninja. Uh, who do you think that their dad should be played by? Oh, man. I was trying to think of somebody that's kind of like, not necessarily the, the typical, like just all muscle. I think that Benedict Cumberbatch. Have you seen him with an with an American accent? Oh man, that would be it's that'd be interesting. Settling, and he's wiry enough that I would be, <laughs> you know, that shows that he's not just all muscle. He's like, no. he's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just well, dangerous. Ben, yeah, ben, I mean, when he played Khan, spoiler alert, in Star Trek Two, <laughs> uh, he he gave a he he was very capable. He's very strong, but he's also very cunning. 
and yeah. very uh, savagery. Yeah, he's almost like a, he's almost like Dexter. Like he could be a serial killer, you know. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but I also really like where uh, where Dennis has gone with this. He just wants straight up Arnold playing <laughs> Lieutenant. That would have his grandfather. Maybe I kind of like the grandfather angle. I think that would that would be enjoy- maybe it's a grandfather and a father. Oh man! Maybe this is like a family line of killers. Yeah, but who could play? I don't think Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch is going to play Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. The kid that played because then you have like literally an Austrian dude with a <laughs> British son and an American grandson. <laughs> if you could get the guy that played Colossus in the X Men movies. He was like a teenager yeah. then, so he's probably perfect dad age oh, now. I don't even know. But about I remember that. him looking like a young Arnold. Hmm. I'm just thinking, like, why not somebody like uh, who's the who's the dude who was in um, Role Models? Oh, uh, Sean William Scott. Yeah, Sean William Scott. He hasn't been doing anything lately. I think I feel like he could play Arnold's son. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, whatever. And then he's got Robin Wright as as Lieutenant Aaron Stoltz's wife, which I think is great. Uh, Robin Wright playing that character. I mean, she's so cunning and cutthroat in House of Cards. I'd love to see her in more stuff, even if it is a comedy. Now, the other part about this is that I love this whole premise. And going to the Laser Tag Arena really inspired me to think about how I could improve on the Laser Tag Arena. So, you know, you go into the laser tag arena, you're wearing a vest, you're carrying a laser gun, you can shoot people in the chest, the back, the shoulders, the front of the gun, and the side of the gun. And that's basically it. Everybody has the same stuff. You go in, it's all fog machines and black lights and plywood and spray paint. And very weirdly shoddy construction. I don't know if you have to be, uh, if you have to have the zoning committee come in and... (laughs) What what is it called? Who are the you're the architect? Who are the people coming? The building inspector? Yeah, the inspector. I don't feel like an inspector came in and inspected the laser tag arena. That's probably because you only have to get the building inspector for the shell. Yeah, the interior, all of that stuff is probably. If I were to try and not get it permitted, I would consider it furniture, mm. and therefore it would not have to be permitted. So, as long as it's ADA accessible. Well, dude, and they were all ramps, no stairs. Yeah, there you go. That's probably why. I will say, dude, if I ever open this laser tag arena, I'm going to help have you help me skirt the rules here because obviously you are the expert. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but I was like, once I came out of laser tag arena, I was like, you can make this much cooler, okay? Like, I want the 50 caliber machine mounted turret machine gun laser that you can like go up to the turret like in Halo. And, and it's like a, a super fire, but you, you're in one stationary place, so that's your vulnerability. Yeah. You have like a super firing 50 caliber machine gun laser. Um, somebody else uh, in our group was talking about some kind of laser grenade. I don't know how you would pull that off. They actually do have, I remember those being a thing mm-hmm. in the late 90s when you're at that age where you're like, oh man, I want to get those laser tag vests, but you're just old enough mm-hmm. to know that it's not going to be as cool as the commercials. Mm-hmm. But I remember there being a grenade and basically you threw it out and it just did beams in every direction. So I just feel like if you're doing that in a dark room, 
that's only lit by black lights, somebody's going to twist their ankle. And that's yeah, because you're going to step on it. You're going to not see it under the layer of fog. I just thought, I was like, they didn't make us sign any kind of release when we (laughs) played, and I was really surprised by that. So you should have tried to step on something like that. Maybe. Yeah, but so you have that. I Also, you know, basically I want to recreate Halo. Some kind of, like, a vehicle that's on some kind of, like, uh, track that runs around the entire arena so you can jump on the vehicle. smart. The track is a great idea because then you don't have to worry about them running people over. Yeah. But you get and you get kind of this. But if you can go forward and back, that's enough to be, like, maybe you, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe you can only control forward or reverse. And then you could have somebody jump on the turret or something. And there's a turret on the back. This is going to be a very large place. Oh, of course, man. <laughs> we're, we're, getting a, we're getting a warehouse down in Ballard, man. Have you thought about switching to paintball? No. Laser only. Just don't like the sting of a paintball? <laughs> I, I, okay, it's just two completely different experiences. Have La- you been paintballing? I have. Paintballing is fucking terrifying. <laughs> and laser tag is wonderful. It's just a wonderful experience. The apocalyptic aesthetic mm-hmm. of current ones. I mean, that's why there is like the crummy fog machine and the plywood and spray paint. That's what the apocalypse is going to look like when you're using lasers. <laughs> I just it's it's also really fun. Like I think there's a practical application there because uh if you're using um if you're using lasers then you uh then you want to be able to see the lasers. And if you have two things, fog machines and black lights, it allows you to see the beam that you're shooting. If yeah. you're shooting in a normally lighted place, you can't see the actual beam that you're shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I want to open an adult laser tag arena featuring a full bar in Ballard. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. You know, start keeping your eye out on one of those, uh, you know, like the, the dry dock, um, Mm -hmm. warehouse buildings. So it'd be perfect. That's it, man. All right, let's move on to some trivia this week. We're going to be doing genus one of trivial pursuit. Uh, I'm going to roll a six sided dice, see which category we do. Levi, are you intimidated at all by my trivia knowledge? A little bit. I try and play along at home mm-hmm. um, most weeks, and I usually lose. There are a couple where I can I can pull out the obscure geographic reference, um, but, but let's see how it goes. What's our what's our subject? Well, I rolled a one, so it is geography. Speak of the devil. Oof. All right, all right, Levi. This question is for you. Please play along at home. What continent? One in seven here, Levi. What continent is home? To the largest number of countries. Uh, Africa? I believe it is Africa. I'm just going to go Europe just to be safe. The answer is Africa. Levi, you are on the board. Good start. Nice job. Okay. Uh, This question is for me. Please play along at home. What to? What do Tyrone, Antrim, Down... Londonberry, Faminaw, and Armaw make up... I'm going to go with Wales. Uh, piece of shit. I don't... Uh, Scotland. It is. 
North Ireland. Oh, oh. so close. Oh. All right, uh, Levi, this question is for you. Please play along at home. What two countries' coastlines border the Bay of Biscay? Um, what two countries? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I'm gonna go with the United States and Mexico. Bay of Biscay. This is so tough. I don't. I don't really know either. I'm gonna go with uh, Spain and Portugal. That's a good guess. The answer is France and Spain. Oh, oh. so close. Oh. All right. Wrong side. I need the answer to win here. What's the national anthem of France? Oh, God. I don't know. I'm going to go with the Viva la France. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm trying to think of a song from Les Mis. I'm just going to say Les Mis. You're very close. It's La Marseille's. Oh! I'm, am I geographically <laughs> closer to the answer? I think you are, dude. You actually did pretty well this week, and you actually won, Mofo. So congratulations. Um, uh, so you win everything tonight, Levi. Congratulations. Must no be mean. beginner's luck here. Uh, what is your Seco Topo? I would like to talk about movies again. Do you know what Nemesis means? So this is one that I again did not post on your Facebook on the personal arrogance Facebook wall mm-hmm. or email you guys or call you about. Instead, yeah. I just Facebooked it directly to your wall. Um, the Star Wars casting list came out. I know, man. I knew you were going to pick this, so I had to pick a different topic. I know. I actually prepared several topics just in case that you came up with. Well, one you of did the post this, though. You didn't post this on the personal arrogance Facebook wall, but you posted it on my Facebook wall. Yes. <laughs> So I was really excited. I figured that no, you I am were too. the most likely to, especially to know some of these people. Yeah. I mean, let's just let's start with the top build actor, and I assume that was the way it was listed. Was John Boyega, um, mm. who is in Attack of the Block? I, I I think that's probably alphabetical. You think? I mean, yeah, John Boyega. I mean, he Attack the Block is a wonderful movie. I I just want to I just want to say this is this the is laser tag a, of Star Wars. Uh, casts. This is a wonderful cast for Star Wars Episode Seven. I love it. I love it so much. But John Boyega, yeah, I I actually watched Attack the Block last night again just <laughs> to uh, just to have that fun feeling of Attack the Block one more time and and to feel that epic hero of Moses one more time that is played by John Boyega in that film. Um, love it. Yeah, it's immediately like. I, it's been on my like to watch list ever since you recommended it a long time ago, which uh-huh. was like years ago now. Have um, you not seen it? I have not, and I Ew. I tried to talk Liz into it once, and you know the the Britishness of it, I think, is a little bit of a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's now it's at the top of my list. I intend on watching it this you, weekend. You um, gotta I've watch got it. it. I don't. This I'm fairly certain that this list is not um, alphabetical. I really do think this is a um, top billing. Top billing. So it's inter- if he is, I mean, what do you think? If he's the top, are we mm. assuming that the 
the top bill, whoever it is, whether it's Boyega or one of the other characters, um, are we assuming that it's similar to the original trilogy? Is it a soon-to-be Jedi, a smuggler, yeah. and some sort of political figure? Well, okay, so we all, I don't know if this guy's top billing. I don't know if John Boyega's top billing, because we also have, of course, Han Solo, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill. Repri- they reprising be the like, they are going to be, like, side characters. Well, right? but they're they talking cannot... about, they're talking about that uh, we're going to be seeing Han and Leia's child in this movie. Um, Which I don't think is going to be John Boyega. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's the I can't remember the female character's name. Um, Daisy Ridley. Yeah, she's gonna she, like that's kind of she's going to be Han and Leia's daughter. Is your assumption that she's top build that this will follow a main female protagonist? I don't know. Um, but John Boyega is very interesting because there's only been basically three black characters in the Star Wars universe, including John Boyega. There has been Mace Windu. Played by Samuel L. Jackson. There's been Lando Calrissian, um, and then and then we have uh, John Boyega's character. Uh, but since he is top billing, I I can't wait to see what they what they do with this character. Like John Boyega is so cool, man. I'm just <laughs> freaking so insanely excited about this dude. Um, and also, they've cast a lot of British characters. A lot of British actors into this, which is also following that line of what happened in the original trilogy. So, dude, John Boyega, I could not be any happier with this guy. I want to see him kill more aliens with a sword. If you want to <laughs> see him kill aliens with a sword, watch Attack the Block. Watch it right now. It was my favorite movie sword? of the year that came out. Yes, he's got a fucking samurai sword that he stabs aliens think, in the head I with. I think they're going Jedi with him. You I have to watch Attack J. J. the Block. J.J. Abrams watched the Attack of the Block and went, well, I know who my Jedi is. Yes. It's fucking great. <laughs> I cannot be more excited about John Boyega. He's literally the one I'm most excited about of all of the casting. Yeah, I've, I really Oof. hope that this is... And inter- I, I think it's in terms... I assume that it's partly in terms of billing because the next is Daisy Ridley, who right. um, I don't know. I haven't seen; she hasn't been in much. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hear one interesting uh, kind of complaint that she is like, aside from Carrie Fisher, she's the only other female that's you know listed in the um, in this first casting list, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer. You know, yep. you'd think that you know it's how many years later you think you could get more than one female character going. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll see how the other. I guess they have three movies to to kind of play this all out with. Yeah. Um, so aside from that, you know, I didn't know anything she was in. Adam Driver. Um, Adam have Driver. you seen Inside Lewin Davis? I have, of course, I have, dude. I'm a Coen Brothers fanatic. <laughs> so I've seen he he plays a very bit role in Inside Lewin Davis, but of course it's notable because Oscar Isaac is also in this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he's mo- he's best well known from from the television series Girls on HBO, as uh, as as the boyfriend, the terrible terrible boyfriend character in that show. Um, I'm ex- I, I'm kind of excited about Adam Driver. I don't really like him that much as a character in Girls. Does that mean he's going Sith? Like, does oh, he he's definitely play- Sith. He's oh, yeah? definitely Sith. He does. He's the one with. He's got kind of like a big ass nose, right? Yeah, and he's. Yeah, he's got very strong features. He's also like seven feet tall, which is to, Sith usually have like some sort of crate. So maybe they cut off his nose, maybe, and that's his deformity. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's no like normal Sith. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. And he's also got, like, a very large, booming voice. And, he, yeah, like you said, he's, like, seven feet tall. Um, I'm very excited about seeing Adam Driver in this as well. Although, like, there was rumor that he was going to actually play Nightwing in the new Batman versus Superhero, Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah. Um, apparently, that's not coming to fruition. But I like him a lot better as a Sith than I would have as Nightwing. Um, as a Nightwing. Yeah, because Nightwing's got to be like a small, agile guy because he's Robin. Anyway, who else is coming up? Is he British? Uh, no, he's American, I'm pretty... Okay. I'm, I'm like, 99% um, sure. Okay. Next is Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, he's... Again, if he's fourth down on the list, if this is by billing, um, the mm-hmm. list that I pulled, mm-hmm. uh, that either means Sith or Smuggler, in my mind. Um, no, I think he's he's our new Obi-Wan. Oh. That's how I, that's how he I would be on the young him. end, wouldn't he? He's not particularly old. No, not at all, but I think that he is, I mean, we all see him as a dude with a beard, because he's had a beard in every movie that he's been in. The dude with the beard is <laughs> Obi-Wan here. Yeah, I remember the beard from whatever it was in that he was uh, he was a bad guy in something. Yeah, I've only seen him in Inside Lewin Davis, and he is the main character in that movie. Plays a wonderful character in that movie, Inside Lewin Davis. So, I'm super, like, I just could not be more elated. Go ahead and move down the line here. <laughs> All right, next one, we can play, guess who's probably not playing a human, Andy Serkis. Right. Probably, are you thinking robot, or are we thinking alien? I don't know, man. We need a new Chewbacca for a new generation. Maybe we have a new uh, animal companion, basically. (laughs) That's what Chewie (laughs) was, right? I mean, Chewie is like a giant oversized dog. He's also British. Maybe he's an imperial, maybe he's the imperial bad guy. It would be interesting, though, if Andy Serkis is the Sith. That would in mm. in his normal self though, yeah. like as yeah. not, sorry, not in dude. When he plays um, mocap, it's not Gollum. It's a uh, what was his name when he was a like a Caesar? Hobbit dude? No, uh, when he was in Lord of the Rings, but he wasn't Gollum. His his real oh, name was Smeagol. When he played Smeagol. Smeagol, yeah, when he played yeah. Smeagol, and he was like trying to get the ring, like he looked like an evil, evil dude. Yeah, that's yeah. he. A new emperor with kind of a Perhaps. wrinkly face. Yep. Yeah, his. He's halfway there. Um, so, or he could play a, a Sith Lord with like a killer deformity. I mean, yeah, or he could just play like his... a great, like the new Wookiee character. Yeah, Make it yeah. I'm assuming alien, but potentially robot. Yeah, I'm assuming one of those. Um, next is uh, Dom Hall Gleason, who's yeah. one of the Weasleys, and he was also in uh, Dread. Well, he was also in. I, I think the movie's called About Time. Is that what it's called? Was it a chick flick? It was a chick flick. I saw the cover on his IMDb page and uh, yeah, it's called about about time. It's a chick flick. 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. I watched this movie with Lydia and we were both openly weeping by the end of it. It is a freaking great movie. It is a really, really good movie. It's about a guy whose family has this inherent trait that they can travel within time um travel to any time in their lives and this kind wasn't of read the time traveler's wife no 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 uh but it has rachel mcadams in it and uh he is really good at this movie this is another guy that i'm super excited about having this movie wasn't like, rachel mcadams also in a time traveler's wife i think so okay but Just this curious. is not that movie <laughs> uh two movies i haven't seen 
Um, but this is another, like, I feel like J.J. Abrams, like, went through all of the movies that I enjoyed and just picked my favorite actors from them. Wow. Like, well, that's have why you I'm seen so excited that, about The this. Seventh Seal? Uh, no. Because next on the list is Max von Sindow. Yeah, this is the old dude. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize, I was looking through his list, you know, I recognize him, he shows up and stuff. Yeah. And when I got to the bottom and started seeing him in some of those Ingrid Bergman films that I mm-hmm. watched and you know, they were like way over my head. Um, he's 85 mm-hmm. now. Will he survive to make all three films? Well, the or is he going to pull a Richard Harris, who was well, the guy that played Dumbledore? I think that this is the this is probably one of the most intriguing castings here because, like you said, he is 85 years old. Okay, so we know that. Harrison Ford's going to be in this movie. We know that Carrie Fisher is going to be in this movie. We know that Mark Hamill is going to be in this movie. Whoever Max von Sydow is going to be, Max von Sydow is going to be playing, is going to be a character that is, um, has experienced both the Clone Wars and the Rebellion. Oh, so he could be reprising a role that was previously acted in the original trilogy. Now he's obviously not going to be Obi Wan, but he was, could be. He could be like the ghost of Obi Wan because Obi Wan's <laughs> still around as a ghost. Could he also just be um, one of the, my assumptions with the at the fall of the Jedi in whichever one of the first three it was? The must have been the third one. Um, yeah, you know, I assume a lot of Jedi just went to ground. You know, oh, wherever yeah. they were in the universe, they just hunkered down. He could also be, you know, the the next Jedi that they kind of dig up. Yeah. You know, and maybe he's training whoever of this cast is kind of the next in line to become a Jedi. Please be John Boyega. Please be John Boyega. Oh, I hope Please. so. <laughs> no, I love it. Like, no, I that that's totally true. Like, Obi Wan is probably not the only dude who went underground. Yeah. Well, um, we know that Yoda did for sure. I yeah. like to think that Mace Windu did, and that at yeah. some point Samuel Jackson will rear his big, beautiful bald head. Uh huh. Um, He'd be so yeah, old, I though. I mean, like that's like, the thing. Like they were super old during the rebellion. Now it's like thirty years after the rebellion. Yeah, so that would be. So we're looking at tacking on fifty years, basically, to everybody. Yeah. 50 to 60 years. From the original, I guess. Maybe maybe he's just going to be reprising um, Admiral, Ak- <laughs> Admiral Akbar. I could use <laughs> more Akbar. Did he play the original? No, I don't know, but he maybe oh. he could be recreating that. I could use more Akbar at any maybe moment. Maybe that's who Andy Serkis is playing. Oh, my God. I would. Lo- <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my God. My mind is already exploding. My he mind is already blowing eyes. up and it's Andy Serkis playing Admiral Akbar. I fucking love that idea so much. Oh, Jesus. Admiral Akbar. He's like my favorite character. You know how much I love cephalopods. He is a cephalopod. I fucking love that shit. But his, instead oh of God. long, creepy tentacles, he only has the cute tentacle chin. Yeah, and he's got like the, the pincher arms. Which is completely impractical. Impractical. You know, I don't think I've ever looked at his arms. My God, I've always been I distracted want... trying to follow both of his eyes. Jesus Christ! Please put fucking <laughs> Admiral Akbar in the new trilogy, please, please. Maybe let's please. open the trailer with Admiral Akbar. I would, I would die. I would literally <laughs> fucking die immediately, and I would never be able to see the rest of the trailer. Either that, or the end the trailer with that. <sighs> 
It'll drop. Oh my god. Twenty. I would immediately start weeping. 2015 or 2016? 15, baby. Coming up next year, motherfucker. I assume next summer? No, next winter. It's going to be releasing against the... uh, or Not not against the Hobbit. It's going to be filling the Hobbit uh, time frame. Yeah, it's going to be a winter. finish the Hobbit this Christmas, and then the following one will be Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars Christmas. Can you believe it? The best Christmas we ever remember. Admiral Akbar hugging me to sleep. I fucking love this idea. Please give me Ak- Akbar. That's all I want in my lifetime. Please. More Akbar. Okay, I, I don't know if people understand this, but I'm very excited about these movies. I think it's been... I think they get it. Okay. Also, Peter Mayhew coming back as Chewbacca. Kenny uh, Baker, Anthony Daniels. Yeah. They were C-3PO. Everybody's and back. GD2, I don't know which one was which. Which is great because you had, you know, J.J. Abrams when he rebooted the Star Trek uh, franchise, he decided to bring back Leonard Nimoy as Spock and do it in a very creative way. I'm excited to see what happens and to see what he does with the Star Wars universe with these old characters. I'm- do you think they're going to make just passing appearances or do you think they're like really, because it looks like the picture, yeah. and I'm sure that's mostly for publicity where they're all sitting around doing the first read through or whatever. Yeah. Um, are they going to make a passing appearance or are they like deep to the, at least the story of the first one? I hope so. Dude, when I heard that Leonard Nimoy was going to be in the new Star Trek movie, I thought it was going to be a cameo. It turned out Leonard Nimoy was a huge part of that story. So I can only assume that Luke, Leia, and Han, and C-3PO, and R2-D2, and Chewbacca are going to factor in heavily in the story. And when when it happened in the original Star Trek reboot... It was wonderful, and I just can't wait to see what J.J. does with these guys uh, for Episode 7. I'm also assuming there's going to be a third Death Star? Fucking pour it on, motherfucker. (laughs) Just pour it on! Do it! Alright, well, my Psycho Topo this week is going to be a little bit of science... If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Right, Scott. Okay, so this article comes to us from io9, a wonderful website. And I hope this isn't the penis thing. No, no, no. We t- <laughs> what <laughs> the penis thing? The female penis movie. Oh, yeah. The sta- no, we've that Olivia saying- sent in. Yeah. I read that article and went, uh, nope, don't want to talk about that. We're saving that for the Facebook Roundup. Okay. And we will bite our teeth into that as it comes along. <laughs> um, IO9's co- here. We have the 20 crucial terms every 21st century futurist should know. In the past, we've covered the things that back in the 30s they predicted correctly. Now we're going to cover the things that hopefully they're predicting correctly right now for our future. <laughs> so I'm just going to go through a few of these. There are a ton of them. I mean, there are literally 20, as is stated in the title of the article. Um, one of them I'm very excited about, the intelligence explosion. Okay? So there's this, I- there's this idea that um, we're creating all of this artificial intelligence or all- these artificial intelligence networks and there's this idea of the intelligence explosion, which is a point at which 
basically sentience occurs within technology. And basically all of these networks that we've set up become synapses and then are able to think by themselves. And that this won't be a gradual process, that at some point the intelligence explosion will happen, much like the Big Bang, blow up and create a whole new paradigm of artificial intelligence. It's the rise of the machines. Yeah, basically. Uh, let me just uh, read this quote here. It says, It describes the apparent sudden increase in the intelligence of an artificial system such as AI. There are several scenarios for this. It could be that the system radically self-improves itself, finding that as it becomes more intelligent, it's easier for it to become more intelligent still. It's a self-perpetuating prophecy. Uh, but it could also be that humans' intelligence, or that human intelligence clusters pretty close in mind space, so a slowly improving AI could shoot rapidly across the distance that separates the village idiot from the Einstein. And this, this also goes along with the whole idea that in the future we will do somehow improve our own brains by downloading information into them. Seems... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see some other the things. The Matrix. Yeah, The Matrix. Well, speaking of The Matrix, uh, <laughs> uh, another term that every 21st, uh, fu- 21st century futurist should know is the substate autonomous person. This one's a little bit harder to wrap your brain around. This is a person who has multiple personas in different environments. Now, reading through the article, it took me a couple times to try to understand what they're actually saying here. But it's kind of the idea of that in WoW you play your, you know, uh, 40th level mage character. Um, and Man, max level's up to like 80 or 90 at this point. Okay. Well, you, Just you, updating your references for you. You've been playing for a while. Um, and then on <laughs> Reddit you have your anonymous posting persona. And in Facebook you have your Facebook persona. But the idea is that as um, virtual reality and augmented reality become more prevalent in our lives, that each of those personas will become basically its own person. And you'll be switching from person to person to person. Um, and, uh, and that you'll be living completely different lives depending on what, uh, what paradigm that you have shifted into. This already exists, though. It does. I mean- it exists on a small level, but I think the idea here is that, um, you know, you you can be a troll when you're on Reddit if you want. Yeah. Uh, but the idea here is that now when you go into Reddit, you create you are enter into an entirely new reality where all you are is a troll. Man, that's weird. Um, I don't know that I. That one's a little bit harder for me to buy because I don't think that it would be. Um, it's difficult to manage your personality that way. Like I'm fairly cautious about letting people know about my war gaming table hab, my table war gaming yeah, habits. You just tell it to everybody who listens to our podcast. Yeah, but they, that's different. And <laughs> not that many people that listen to your podcast know who I am. So, ha, mm-hmm. huh? because like basically nobody at work knows I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to keep those things separate and not let them bleed over. Like when I go to the privateer press forums at lunch, like I, consciously make sure that my screen is not pointed in the direction that somebody would see what <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, I'm reading about assassination tactics with the retribution caster Garrett. Like there's just, there's stuff that you do, but I think there's a point where you get bleed over and it's difficult to 
um, separate. And I think that that's almost an outdated idea. Like people thought that when the internet was anonymous, but we're not as anonymous anymore. Like Google doesn't let you, well, for a while they're like, I don't know if they still do this or if they pulled back on it, but like, you know, you had to use your, your regular Google thing and you have to do that to log into YouTube. Now you're not creating separate profiles and everything anymore. We've actually moved to trying to have a universal login. But the idea here is that you're, um, and especially as we move toward the idea of Transcendence, which is a movie that nobody has seen, starring Johnny Depp, which is in theaters now. Um, But as you move toward the idea of being able to upload your consciousness to virtual environments, that your biological self will will hold just as much weight as, say, your World of Warcraft profile. So your biological self and your World of Warcraft profile hold the same amount of weight in your actual body. It's almost like when you go into dreams and when you mean like in terms of your personality, yeah. And when you go to personality ways, that makes more sense. And when you go, and when you go to sleep, you know, you enter into a dream state where everything seems real and the, the choices and the past and the future that you are impacting all seem completely real to you. This is, the idea of being able to virtually switch between basically what I would call dream states, individual realities that all are equally real. Your biological reality is just as real as your digital or virtual reality. Only if you think people have a problem with their paying too much attention to their phones now, just wait. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a, it's that idea when you were, you know when you were looking when um, Inception came out, and there are all those people who just. Oh yeah, they dream, the dream to live. Yeah, they dream to live. That's kind of the idea here. They just put on the headset and they they that's their that's their reality. You know though, if I could and this is largely a matter of our situation like, you know, I enjoy playing games with you and Jesse and Jordy, you know, and it's been, you know, I I'm curious as to what our relationship would be if I had moved to the East Coast and we didn't have something like the internet. Like mm-hmm. our friendship wouldn't be what it is now. Oh, absolutely. If we had the opportunity to log online and be, you know, what is in for all intents and purposes feels physical to us because we're firing those particular synapses in our brain in the right. virtual reality. And that was how we interacted, you know, even at a distance, it would be, it would be hard to put that down because that is the one thing I miss is being able to hang physically hang out with you guys, and, and, you know, and, yeah, we've and come up a, with these kind of alternatives, but to yeah. to surpass that would be, I'd be tempted. I mean, it would be hard to unplug from that sort of thing and make friends here. Well, you know, the nice thing is that we have wives and families, which that kind of pulls really back helps to keep things anchored. Uh, but at the same time, like as the Oculus Rift becomes, like the Oculus Rift, I really feel is going to be a groundbreaking groundbreaking product that not only impacts gaming but impacts the way that we interact with other people. Like, and this is this is one? this is the in this is the first step into actually realizing that, and in ten years, what the Oculus Rift could be could be a very vastly different reality altering device, the same way that the smartphone has altered reality for a lot of people over the last decade. I feel like the Oculus Rift could be that for the next de- decade. And yes, I've read uh, Ready Player One, and I fucking love it. I think he. I think he got a lot of things. What I what I would imagine is right. So yeah. early recommendation. 
for your <laughs> listeners. Ready Player One. Uh, and then finally, the last one I want to touch on is artificial wombs. This is very. This is very interesting. What? Uh, this is any device, whether biological or technological, that allows humans to reproduce without using a woman's uterus. Uh, this is like a uterine replicator. Um, it would liberate women from the biological difficulties of pregnancy and free the very act of reproduction from the traditional male-female pairings. Artificial wombs might develop alongside social structures that support families with more than two parents as well as gay marriage. So it doesn't matter, um, you know, who... Anybody can have a child. Like, you can just clone basically a baby into a some kind of biological technological uh, device that grows the baby inside an artificial womb didn't we see this though at the start of man of steel isn't the the extreme mm-hmm. dystopian vision of this the cloning of the kryptonians yeah absolutely well i mean it's in everything it's in the matrix too yeah. <laughs> Basically, this whole article is written based on a movie that was written in 1999. <laughs> like, you could almost apply everything to they the Matrix. Were, you gotta admit, they were ahead of their time for the first one, and then they ruined it yeah. with the other two. Well, you know, that's the Matrix is a groundbreaking movie because of that. Um, but yeah, this is a very other, you know, it's a very interesting thing. And I feel like this is all incredibly feasible. You know, we've talked about, um, we've talked about on this show before, meat um like basically like a meat engine that you can just have in your kitchen that grows meat for you um you can <laughs> calling have, it a meat engine is great advertising yeah i can't remember what it, like a meat uh what are those things that spin around really fast and then put uh, everything in the bottom a centrifuge yeah meat centrifuge that's basically what it was um thank I think you we need to workshop that name that yeah. can be a future topic for you nice pull there uh but then also like the idea of okay for medical care I'm just going to clone all of my organs and keep them in a warehouse. So if my liver fails, I can just go to the hospital. They'll pull up my liver and then put in a new one that works perfectly. Um, the other idea is that uh, you you can just grow a baby in a lab and it's going to work 100% of the time. And you don't really have to worry about human reproduction. You can go through all of the great experiences that are associated with human reproduction without having to worry about the risk of having a bad pregnancy, of uh, injuring the mother, or of you know, um, or or having uh, an injured uh, or debilitated child. Like all of that is wiped out. You could just have a perfect kid and grow it in a lab, and then go pick it up in nine months. At some point, isn't <sighs> I agree that it's good in the sense of the some of the freedom that it gives to people who are otherwise disadvantaged to the situation, but isn't growing the perfect child, like, not necessarily, I don't know, at what point does it become uh, Gattaca? Exactly, yeah, I mean, this is the, that's the, uh, that's the example here is Gattaca. Do you, do you then have some kind of class of human that is now perfect versus uh, traditionally reproduced humans. I like um, when I run at lunch, I like to think that I'm running so far that it's too much for me to run back, and that's how I'm expressing my human spirit. <laughs> I love it, dude. That's very... That's very but, but you also get to a Kryptonian situation where you basically sterilize the population so they can't have natural birth, and then you grow everything in a lab. And what is that? Yeah, well, and you specify in advance what something, you know, yeah. what someone is supposed to be right 
it's all, you know, it raises a lot of questions. But the fact of the matter here, people, is that the next hundred years of human evolution, as long as we don't fuck everything up and kill everybody on well the planet on way. <laughs> or regress incredibly backwards. Like, you look at the difference between a hundred years ago and now, and you look at what the potential could be for a hundred years from now. It is an exponential, crazy amount of of progress from a technological perspective. Um, there's going to be a ton of ethical questions that play into this, but the things that will happen 50 years from now, I think, are, like I said, as long as we don't fuck everything up and kill everyone, um, uh, the things that will happen 50 years from now are literally things that we cannot even conceive right now in our minds. Like, it's going to blow your freaking noggin off. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Um, and we're going to get to see most of it. So, that'll be fun. Yeah, and then, uh, and then maybe this will be the generation that lives a lot longer. Maybe I live past 2085, which would be my 100th, my 100th birthday. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Or maybe you'll just fade into the West. Maybe I'll fade into the West of some awesome Western, um, uh, you know, uh, intranet that has been <laughs> set up that my consciousness has been uploaded to. And they make it out to be like the end of the Lord of the Rings, just for flair. Or maybe it's already happened. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Then they did the test that was like, yep, the universe could be a simulation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because... We can only replicate what we actually see in the universe. So if all we do is creating things that simulate the actual universe, of course they could that the universe that we live in could be a simulation. I didn't know we were gonna get so deep. <sighs> Dude, this is getting deep. It's getting too deep, which means we need to move on to telling you about the Bald Move Network. Guys, baldmove.com. So much stuff going on. So much incredible, wonderful, beautiful things happening right now. Uh there are three television podcast happening right now of course you've got fargo the new episode is up 103 uh the muddy road i fucking love fargo so much we've also got mad men we've got game of thrones watching the um, shit out of those all happening at once yeah i'm watching so much mad men like crazy i fucking love it uh up yours downstairs of course is happening because show the beautiful ladies down from southern california talking about makeup sex books wonderful uh life experiences it's all good uh and that's on the because show they are up there as well guys go to ballmove.com it is wonderful you can also get in touch with us you can send us an email personal records at gmail.com you can give us a call leave us a voicemail 360-362-0024 you can uh, follow us on twitter at personal podcast we are on facebook at the ball move facebook page and the personal arrogance facebook page uh also, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, I cannot, I cannot express enough how important it is. If you are a listener and you could do nothing else, please take three minutes and rate and review us on iTunes. It moves us up the rankings. It lets pe- more people know about the Personal Arrogance Podcast, and it makes this little Personal Arrogance Nation a little bit bigger. So please do that if you haven't done that already. It's free, it's wonderful, and we will kiss you on both cheeks if you do it. And, uh, and of course, if you can't do any of that, please just tell a friend. Speaking of the Facebook page, if you follow us on the Facebook page, on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page, each week we post the Facebook Roundup on there. 
And uh, we ask you what you want us to talk about. We talk about it. And here it is happening right now into your ears. Joe says, anything but racist NBA owners. I think we avoided it. We avoided it. Uh, Real quick question for you. Can Seattle buy the Clippers? Is that an option? So this is uh, this is a thing. Like, I don't think the NBA would allow that to happen because okay. they wouldn't want that to happen in this circumstance. But the team is technically up for sale. And any time an NBA team is up for sale, my ears perk up a little bit <laughs> because we got people in Seattle, checkbooks open, pens on the page, ready to sign it. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to happen in this case. Um, but, uh, but the, the window is, is, has been cracked slightly for the Sonics to return. Uh, Nathan says, what do you guys think about Zack Snyder directing the Justice League movie? All I have to say is that Ben Affleck must be pissed. <laughs> I because think Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck wanted to direct it? Well, I mean, Ben Affleck has proved himself to be a pretty damn good director. Agreed. Uh, and in fact, a oh yeah, that's true. He gets snubbed at the Oscars, which is ridiculous. How do you how do you have a movie that wins Best Picture that isn't even nominated for Best Director? I don't get it. Call it Argo and have Ben Affleck directed. Apparently, I guess so. Um, I'm ex- you know we'll see what happens with Batman versus Superman. It could be a shit show. It could be pretty good. I liked Man of Steel enough to see what Zack Snyder does, but Zack Snyder is a hit and miss dude. It's going yeah. to be visually stunning. It's the stunning. guy that made Sucker Punch. Yeah, and it's going to be visually stunning. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be badass. I feel like Zack Snyder will give it, uh, directing it, will give it a different tone than Marvel. And I feel like DC, instead of trying to emulate Marvel, needs to differentiate itself from Marvel. And I feel like Zack Snyder might be the dude to do that. But I'm going to hold all my ex- expectations back until Batman vs. Superman comes out. Yeah, that'll decide most of, I think, where that goes in the future. Yeah, Jonathan says, let's go Flyers NHL playoffs, baby. Unfortunately, Jonathan, the St. Louis Blues are the official NHL team of the Personal Arguments Podcast (laughs) until Seattle gets an NHL team. Aaron says, didn't one of you finally see Captain America? I saw it. I liked it. I saw it, too. It was good. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. But they did a really good job with the characters, which is what any superhero movie should do, is make strong characters with strong motivations. And that's what yeah. the new Captain America movie did, and I liked it. Well, they did a good job of kind of making it a even playing field. Like, nobody was right. overpowered. Well, and, like, Iron Man 3 was a bunch of characters with zero motivation, and that's yeah. why I didn't like it. And and Captain America 2 was a bunch of characters with great motivation, and that's why I loved it. It's very God, Robert Redford was good. He's still yeah. good. Uh, Michael says, Kyle Seeger, or you guys could just hear me and the crew talk about him on my podcast. So my O-Cast, 10 episodes deep, it's still growing strong. Thanks for your help getting it off the ground. That is the official Mariners podcast of the Personal Against Podcast, the My O-Cast. So if you want to listen to more about the Mariners, check that one out. Olivia, Olivia sent us a thing about cave insects that have penises. This is crazy. Who Did you actually read this thing? article? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's not that there's penises, it's that the ladies go and get it yeah. themselves. So it's it's like they receive the sperm through a wand that goes into the male. Do they actually refer to it as a penis? Yeah. Maybe they do. Yep. So I guess I was wrong. Yes, penises. Well, you know, biology is an amazing thing. Maybe these are the next uh, next animals. 
I think this is the sort of subject for the uh, bald move for Jim and Aaron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why. They can no, talk I... 20 minutes about penises and sperm mm-hmm. and I, anything I... else it's related just... to the digestive or <laughs> urinary tract. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, yeah, like basically it is the female penetrates the male together the sperm. Which is a very interesting uh, thing, because obviously that doesn't happen usually um, um, in science. And <laughs> in science. <laughs> in science. <laughs> which is my religion. Uh, but <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really do think that this stuff is interesting. And obviously, Olivia, we are big on um, any type of animal news. Um, so keep it keep it coming. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, yeah, Jesse will be back next yeah, just blame this week. one on me. Yeah, we'll blame this on Levi. Uh, Matt says, Star Wars Episode Seven cast info released. Now tell me who they're going to be. I think we covered that. Josh says, I had a long dream about Godzilla last night. Do you think it will be worthy of getting a babysitter to go see? I hope so. You know, I heard something today that made me very excited about the Godzilla movie. It is 98 minutes long. Really? Get in. Have a good time. Get out. Are you expecting a second monster? Is Godzilla no. going to fight something? No. Not okay. for the first one. But I love that it's an hour and a half. Like, this is what movies in the 90s were about. I can drink the whole soda. Do it! <laughs> I'm very excited about Godzilla. I hope it. I hope it's great. Uh, Sarah, and also see Monsters. It's on Netflix. You can stream it. It's mm. by Gareth Edwards, who is yeah, the director of Godzilla. Stuff. It's it, it is a good precursor to, I think, kind of see what kind of tone Godzilla is going to have. Um, Sarah says, Josh Perigo, no. Well, apparently Sarah does not agree with Josh's. <laughs> On which part, though, that Godzilla's not going to be good or that you're not getting a sitter? Not getting a sitter. Apparently Sarah is also married to Josh, so that might that be... That was my guess, based yeah. on her last name. Uh, <laughs> James says, are you picking a dream group to play Catan? Or oh, you are picking a dream group to play Catan with. Choose one former president, one 80s pop star, one character from Breaking Bad, one stand-up comedian, and one anthropomorphized sea creature, <coughs> Admiral Akbar. Also, describe <laughs> how the game plays out and who wins. Levi, I'm cutting you off here. This is, I feel like this is a full topic. James Patterson really specializes in giving us great things to seek our, sink our teeth into as full topics. And I just like to throw in Jimmy Carter for president. We'll, we'll keep it on the table, but this definitely needs to be something that both Jesse and I tackle together. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rolo Tomasi says, I want to hear you say my name. <laughs> oh, Rolo Tomasi! And then finally, D. Candlish <laughs> says, I want to hear Eric say Rolo Tomasi's name in one of his terrible accents. Rolo Tomasi! I think I already did it. Uh, but I'm yeah, glad but I to think that was two requests. I think they get... One each. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll do it at a brick top, by the way. Rolo Chamorse. <laughs> Rolo Chamorse. All right. It's time for Recco's. Uh, Levi, what's your first Recco this week? 
Um, I'm going to have to recommend Orphan Black. I don't know if you've been watching this show. Um, it's I don't on even know Hulu, if it's on Netflix. Right? No, I think it's, it's on, on Hulu. It's on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Probably on Hulu. It's uh, British. It's really good. It's about a gal that's been cloned. I'm only like three episodes in, so I don't really know the whole backstory on why she's been cloned. She just comes keeps coming across versions of herself, and it's really fascinating. I really am curious to see where the rest of the season goes, and I know that I think they're in the middle of the second season or they're about to put out the second season so highly recommend it cool my first record this week is going to be the harmontown podcast if you're looking for something to listen to after you finish this one uh harmontown it's dan Harmon. he is the creator and current uh, showrunner on community and it's him talking about any any swath of current events topics, but then wrapping up the show, and it is a live show with a live studio audience, wrapping up each show with a Dungeons and Dragons se- session. Nice. <laughs> it's great. So uh, so listen to Harmontown if you get the chance. Uh, Levi, what's your Seco Topo? So this is a PAX Pro Tip uh-huh. that I just picked up the other day. So tickets for PAX Prime in Seattle will be coming out probably in the next month or two um and they're if it's anything like last year they're gonna go and yeah i'm guessing next week i'm guessing next week so you can go to twitter and set up twitter accounts to when somebody tweets from that account you get a text go to the official pax account set it to text your phone when they tweet they only really tweet during paxes so the next text you probably get from that Twitter account is going to be them saying, hey, tickets are on sale. It'll be the fastest way for you to know that tickets have gone on sale. Yep. Got to do it. I've it's got the only it set way you're going to get mine. tickets. Yeah, I've got it set up on mine. They have tweeted twice in the past two weeks. One of them regarding a game that Robert Koo really liked and played. <laughs> and then the other one regarding the uh, end of PAX Dev panel signups. Yeah, I got that one today. <laughs> Both of which I almost had a heart attack when reading them. But Levi, does this mean that you're coming to PAX? No, but I'm going to buy my ticket because you never fucking know. <laughs> oh, hello, Levi. Rocky Mountain High. All right, my <laughs> my second top of this week will be a show I've been watching. It is on Hulu Plus. It is called Saxondale. It stars Steve Coogan as a ex-rock and roll roadie and current... Uh, exterminator living in the suburbs of London. Really good and a great way to pass the time. Saxondale, it's on Hulu Plus. Levi, thanks so much for uh, being a part of the show this week. Thanks for having me. I was happy to, happy to come on. Yeah, man. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with Jesse. And until then, uh, please remember that wherever you go and whatever you do, please. Stay, Stay arrogant. arrogant. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.